0: Welcome to the Machines and Molecules podcast. This is the very first episode, and I'm totally winging it, except from reading from my paper here. Um, So Machines and Molecules hosts guests from backgrounds in chemistry, biochemistry, and machine learning. Our guest today is Mikio Braun. Hello. Mikio uh, did his PhD at TU Berlin with Klaus Robert Müller back then. actually, I did my, I actually, I did my PhD yes, actually in Bonn, but then I was postdoc with Klaus. So, you were a postdoc with Klaus yes, for many okay. years, but yes. And, uh, your PhD student, you told me, was Tamo Krüger, yes. who was my diploma supervisor. Yes. It's a small word. Yes.
1: No, I, he was, so I did, no, I did like a third of his PhD. So most did
0: Conrad, okay. but then like the last, I did like one, one, two years. Yes, because Conrad was what uh, he was going to Göttingen at that time, or yes. Do you know? Yes, something like that. Something this. like okay. this. Okay. Yes. Good. So you worked on kernel methods. You worked on clustering, cross validation, uh, probably also on brain-computer interfaces, yes. because that was in f- in fashion at TU yes. at the time. Um, and also, I read on a kernel analysis of deep networks, which came into fashion again recently. Aha! Uh-huh. Right?
1: Yeah. Very yes. impactful work, it seems.
0: Yes. I'm not sure whether they cited you. I, ha- I haven't checked their references. It didn't. But yeah, uh,
1: that's the problem when you're not in the in the academia circus anymore. You cannot. You, you don't get to review the papers, and then you cannot tell them you have to cite my paper. You can't force them anymore.
0: No, no, that's true. But, but sorry, <laughs> I'm interrupting you already um, no no and then you went to industry, yes. and what was your first industry position um, when?
1: I was at, uh, at Zalando I was a delivery lead at the time for the recommendation and search team at Zalando in two thousand what, what year I think
0: 15 2014 maybe 15 okay
1: I forget long time ago okay
0: yeah. that was when I handed in my PhD in 15 yes. okay understood um yes, so uh, have you brought an M word? Because the theme of the podcast is machines, molecules and some other M Yes.
1: No, my first my first thought was Mikio, but then <laughs> no but you, you supplied a list. So I picked mathematics because I did way too much mathematics okay. during my university years. Why would you say too much? It was just too much didn't so my my PhD thesis was very very mathematical so un, unreasonably mm-hmm. and I mean uh, I don't know so I I think I, I tried to prove something so there actually there was no point mm-hmm. I think but it and it was very exhausting so there was maybe a bit too hard for me
0: I see but uh, did you was your undergrad in math or in computer science,
1: no computer science. But uh, my, my minor was mathematics and I, okay. I studied in Bonn, right? Which has a very strong mathematics. So like, I think the, the guy I did most of my exercises together with, he was a mathematician, so I sort of had like the, the, the real math lectures.
0: Yeah, I see. I've always felt I did too little mathematics uh-huh. when I did my PhD. I was like, ah, I'm missing so much math. I can't do this machine learning stuff. Uh-huh. It's just, yes. I miss the background. Yeah.
1: No, I actually, I actually tried okay. to, to prove some convergence stuff. So I think it was actually, it was, so I, I sometimes thought my, my PhD was actually like a di- math diploma in functional analysis because I was just, so it seemed like what everybody else is also doing, just proving some convergence stuff
0: yeah but that's what you do did you do kernel methods at that time also
1: yeah yeah so i did okay i did uh, something on the eigen eigenvalues and eigenvectors of the kernel matrix
0: well then functional analysis is a very natural field right yes for kernel methods yeah yeah okay and what's your what's your relationship with math today what's my yeah no, I st- so I still,
1: uh, I, I, yeah, so my, okay, my, my daughter, who's now uh, in the 11th grade, right? And then when mm-hmm. she comes with a math problem to me, I can still, so I, I realize I really did, like, a lot of math in my life, and uh, mm-hmm. still I still have it. And if I'm reading the paper, I also can still read the papers. No, but I think the, so the, especially with machine learning, it's a very interesting relationship wow. between machine learning and mathematics, because it's, you can't, you, so you people try to prove stuff, but it's really hard to do something because it's in the data. Right. So I mean, back back in mm-hmm. the days, kind of methods. So there were also all these um, large deviation bounds, like this whole Wapnik theory, which was like trying to, mm-hmm. to prove something, but it's just super hard. And I'm, I'm not sure mm-hmm. like how good how good mathematics is actually um, useful for that, to be honest.
0: Understood. I remember Léon Bottoux at some workshop saying, yeah, the machine learners want to do all this math, but when you talk to mathematicians, it's also trivial what what we are like. The the, the hoops through which we jump are so trivial uh, and the methods that we use. Mm. Why not be honest about it? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was still very complicated, Mm. right? But maybe from a mathematical point of view, it was pretty straightforward. Yes. Maybe not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for for a mathematician, not maybe. For yes. Yeah, for me also not. Yeah. Nice. I, I really so there were t- so I yeah. Uh, so I, I tried to prove something, right? And sort of in my simulations mm-hmm. I could see that it it's probably what's happening. But uh mm-hmm. so there was like one central proof in my PhD thesis was missing. And there was a time when mm-hmm. sort of I had like the first few chapters, I had the later chapters, but the like chapter four or whatever it was was missing. And that was really, really hard. So I I really worked on that for months. You know, everything else was done. And if I couldn't prove it, then I didn't have a PhD thesis. So I imagine. Yeah, that wasn't. So that's why I chose mathematics, you see, quite.
0: That's good. Yeah, it's it's a good reason. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how was it going to industry then?
1: Uh, That was actually very, very nice. So... uh, Um, yeah, so I think so over the, so I was postdoc for like 10 years or something, right? And I think over time I got more and more, um, frustrated by this whole, by the sort of the game that everybody's playing, right? So you have to write papers, you have to publish papers. Um, and it, it increasingly felt like, so you're, you're trying, it's like, if you're a company, you're trying to bring out a product, but the first, first you show this product to your competitors. Right. And then they say like, oh, we don't like this. Or "Ah, this is something that's very similar to us. And then you cannot even get your product out. So it it felt very unnatural. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so actually, I think I was quite, I was sort of, I I stayed very long. I was, I was ready for something new. And then, uh, Mm -hmm. because I'm also a computer scientist, I was really looking forward to, to seeing like, okay, how, how is it when, so how, like how to do properly do computer science and programs and all that infrastructure. So I was, um, yeah, I was very excited actually to join Zolando and learn all about all of that.
0: And, uh, how was the, how would you compare the learning curve f- between let's say PhD and industry?
1: Uh, I, I think, I, I always think so industry was very. Uh, or sometimes people ask me like, "Oh, isn't it like everything like all the technical problems aren't they trivial?" Or don't you miss miss it? Uh, but but I found uh, it's still everything is very complicated, but on a different level, right? So it's like comp- big companies, all the politics, all the the people trying to get all the people to work together. Uh, so I always thought there's so just so much to learn. So it's not it wasn't boring at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how do you, uh, I mean Zalando, right? So it was the recommendation team. So it was also technically quite interesting. How do you build something that scales to so many requests per second and so on? So I never, mm-hmm. uh, I never regretted leaving. Maybe I, I regret yeah. it staying too long in academia.
0: So yeah. yeah. Especially because it pays so badly compared to <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And uh I also had the impression um well you just learn very different things. And I I mean I also joined Zalando as my first yes. industry position.
1: When was that? Which year? though in
0: eighteen Eight, okay. twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um though in the research team. Yeah. So I think my experience was different from yours because it was not directly applied into products right away, what I did, but still the experience of having your research questions led very strongly by the application and like making priorities based on what you actually need in the end and not on, well, I'm interested in this. That's why I'm doing it. This is a very different experience I would say. And, um, your Point about well making people work together well, this is also a science in and of itself, yes, 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 yeah, yeah.
1: And the I think the other so people also often I say like oh, but in industry, isn't it all about the money, right? So, isn't that like you cannot you cannot work on like interesting stuff because there's always the money? But my my feeling honestly was in academia, it's also all, all about the money, right? So, you always have to have to um, write grants and you have to like figure out what are the politics, what, what are the hot topics? Right. So you, yeah, Yeah. so you can, I mean, if you're a professor, you can probably do whatever you want. But if you, if you want some external funding, you're also very dependent on, on the market. So
0: on the external funding market, Yes. yes. And on the trends. Absolutely. Yes. I think so as well. Uh, what was the moment when you when you decided I'm going to do a PhD in this uh, in this topic that that's called machine learning, or maybe even <laughs> statistics? Uh, I used to call it statistics at the time. Yes. Uh,
1: no, actually, I think so. Uh, artificial intelligence that was really one of the uh, the main points why I got interested in computers. Or oh, I mean, I was like a typical nerd, so I had my so back in the in the eighties, like a C64. C 16. So I was coding. And then at some point I thought, Oh, why can't we build machines that think, right? So, uh, I remember Mm -hmm. this was really one of the things I wanted to do. And then sort of, I didn't, I didn't know about machine learning, of course. Right. But then when I started to study, I looked, okay, what are the like artificial intelligence topics? Uh, and then I found, okay, apparently it's called machine learning. And then, then I realized it's a lot, it's a lot of statistics actually. Right. So it was a bit, Mm -hmm. bit of a surprise. Because uh, I think I was expecting something more like this this old school, like symbolic logic or AI. Yeah, like the something that feels a bit really more like a building, like a thinking machine. Yeah, but, but mm-hmm. somehow we got, it seems like we got there in the end. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe yes. <laughs> yeah. It's still, it's still debated. Yes. What's, what's your, what's your take on it?
1: Um, yeah, I think there's still, still something is missing, but the, we're getting closer maybe. Do you have, um, are you a doomer? <laughs> no. <laughs> are you a boomer? No, <laughs> no I'm a two-year-old So that's, no, I think the, 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 it's, it's very, so these, you mean like all these people who are now saying, oh, AI is going to be the end of us and so on. I think it's a, it's a very. Yeah. Like e- even researchers. Yes. yes. It's, but it's a very weird thing that's happening. I think, uh, Right. So apparently we have so many like big issues. Uh, so I was really shocked when I think Jeff Hinton, when he, when he even said this is even more important than climate change, right? It's like,
0: I mean, <laughs> this to me, yeah, I've not, I've not read that or heard that, but this I find to be, um, very off. I don't know what you're feeling. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, yeah. So there,
1: there's, I found this blog post somewhere, um, where somebody, uh, tried to, uh, compute the probability that AI will lead to the end of you, of humanity. And, uh, and he, he used an approach that somebody, I'm uh, sorry, I forgot all the names, but I, I can send you the links later. <laughs> so that, uh, some guy in the fifties, uh, he thought about, okay, what, what is the probability that there's intelligent life somewhere in the universe besides earth? Right. And then he mm-hmm. said, okay, a couple of things need to happen. And then in the end, it's less just like a, a product of probabilities. Right. So somebody you need to have a planet like mm-hmm. uh, where's life and then you need to have intelligent life and uh, they have to be close enough and so on. And then you, you can put in your numbers mm-hmm. and you end up with a very small thing. And he that's, that's the same thing for AI. Right. So we need an AI that is uh, mm-hmm. like intelligent enough. That is, uh, can sort of act independently, does not like humans uh, sort of evolve so quickly that you cannot control it and so on. And then at the end you can sort of, it's, it's really a very small number. So, yeah. So I think it's a bit, it's a bit marketing, right? That they're all saying like, "Oh, this is now really bad. So we
0: need to, to do something about it. But yeah, it is one more way to draw attention. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's also one of the things that went through my head at least. Yeah. Yes. Um... Okay. But, uh, you were inspired by thinking machines and, uh, then you only took it up in, in the PhD or also during studies.
1: No, the studies are okay. already, yeah. I joined the, as a, I think in my second year, third year, I became like a student, uh, like a heavy, uh, in a lab that did mm-hmm. neural networks. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then like, as soon as I got into my, like my third year, I started going to the machine learning lectures. And then I did my diploma thesis okay. in that area and then the
0: PhD. Yeah. So you, you did not stumble into it. You planned for it. Yes. I wanted to, <laughs> yes. yes. Understood. Um, what would you say today are the most promising trends in, in like in the field, in industry or in academia? Yeah.
1: Yes, I mean yeah. Op- so obviously, I think the large language models. This is really a, a breakthrough. Um, yeah, which uh, so uh, I mean at least on the like on the language side, right. So we we struggled having mm-hmm. things that can translate well for years, right. So I still remember when Google Translate first came out, right. So it was like total gibberish, but you could sort of understand what the what what the text was about. Um, Mm-hmm. And now we went to something that, that just produces sort of like perfect, perfect English or German even. So that's yeah, something yeah. something really has happened there. Um, but yeah, there's still some but challenges though. I think yeah.
0: Yes, but you, um, I notice you you're talking about translation mostly, and you're not talking about, well, it can think so well and it can reason so well. Um, do you have the, I mean, you've probably used these models now quite a lot as many of us have. Um, do you start to notice, well, I thought it would be able to do that, but actually all of the stuff I got was not actually not that useful.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's very useful, right? but it's also very clear that it's somehow extrapolating from all the training data. So it's not, hmm. um, yeah, I think what I'm most impressed about is sort of the, the way or the language generation and also how, mm-hmm. how you can sort of give it a task and then it can still remember the task after. Right, so when you talk to it, it's, it's. I think that's really impressive, or somehow, um, yeah. or sort of as a machine learning researcher, right? You know, it's, it's super hard to make sure that this one data point, which is super important, also stays important. It's not buried under all the data. So somehow they manage to, right? If you tell them please translate this, and then you put in like a lot of text, then they still, they still can remember that they are supposed to translate all the text or or do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, but then again, uh, I think. Uh, very often, it also becomes clear that it does not really know what it's talking about. So it's just producing text. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always think it's like a student who has like learned all the textbooks but has no practical experience, and then you ask mm-hmm. them, "So how do you drive a car?" And then they just tell you about the text, but they've never been in a car. And um, yeah, uh, and sometimes they also just make make mistakes. So so I, I tried like a very simple mathematics, like a like a, a quadratic equation. And then Mm. it was like five steps and it, so, and most of it was okay. But then in one of the steps, right. It just did something that was completely wrong. It just, so Mm. yeah. So I factoring this and then something else else came up and I think it's really, um, yeah, somehow by analogy and, and Mm. that often works, but it's not, yeah, when it doesn't work, also it has no means of of really understanding what it did or what it didn't do. Of backtracking.
0: Yes. That's true. I like, I think yesterday or maybe on Friday, I also asked it explicitly to not use the following approach. And that's exactly the approach that it used. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. so e- even, even negation in that case, um, it didn't get And like the newest GPT four model in chat, GPT, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is not surprising because, um, I've been, a language uh natural language processing guy yeah. and i've looked at negation so of course it gets it wrong sometimes but um you know um i think there's it's clear where the boundaries of this technology are as well and that it can't do so much as everybody yes. is telling yeah. oh wow it's it's gonna take the world by storm yeah yeah i only yeah. have you let it
1: i think the i'm always saying and i'm also saying it here right so the danger is always when you you put too much trust into these models, and then you let them do stuff without checking on them, right? So making, yeah, having them make decisions about humans and so on—that's where the danger comes in. Yeah, yeah,
0: yes, true. And um, I think you've also been a proponent of uh, simple models for practical uses, <laughs> uh, especially in industry. Yes. Um, can you tell us a bit more about this? Yes. So the. <laughs> Uh,
1: I, I mean, so the, the, the funny thing is, right? So everybody's not talking about LLMs and, and all that, but I mean, even before all of that, my my impression was always that industry is really like years behind, like the state of the art, right? So people are still struggling to do um, I don't know XGBoost based models and, and building pipelines. So it's all very complicated, and it's also the right. So if you if you're a big company and you have a new project or a new it might take like one or two years till to, to you're finished with it. So, and then, mm-hmm. so it's never that the, the industry is really at the, the forefront of, of things. And uh, I think everything that, that's still, that was true like a year ago is still true, right? So it just doesn't make any sense to use an LLM for a task where like a, uh, like a random forest model would work very well. Um, I mean, just, just from the modeling side. And then, of course, there's the reason. So an XGBoost model, I don't, I don't know, I have never benchmarked it, but I, I guess you can get like a thousand predictions per second out of a single CPU. And with an LLM, of course not. So there, I think there are also practical reasons why why you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. So I think it, it's still... Uh, so, yeah, for some applications, obviously, you would use that. Or for generative AI, you would use some of these um, state-of-the-art models. But for many applications, you wouldn't.
0: Mm. yes absolutely um, yeah. yeah i i mean we've we've seen the we've seen the cases where people tried to put in deep learning into an application and they just struggled to improve over random forests yeah. or xg boosts right yeah. that's that's so common actually yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So the five, so while while I was yes. at Zalando, I was there for four five years, so I was always doing a lot of interviewing, right? I think on average like two interviews mm-hmm. per week or so, and it was also funny to mm-hmm. see how the uh, the like the standard answers changed over time. So when I started, mm-hmm. right, people were still saying, "Okay, I use an SVM or logistic regression or something," but then a few years later, whenever you ask people, "So how would you solve this problem?" they would always say De- deep learning, and that's <laughs> it's funny. So. Yeah. And some, sometimes it made sense, but often it didn't, so.
0: They were also going by the textbook, you say.
1: Maybe they're also going by the textbook. Yes.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what do you think machine learning can do to improve important things apart from add click rates yeah. and I don't know, selling more stuff.
1: That's a very good question. I don't right. So the I think yeah we, we're still uh, still struggling to find good uh, good applications for that, right? So we're still also generative AI. So it's very impressive, but in the end, it's also just like fancy pictures. So mm-hmm. yeah. But and I'm really thinking. So I think it could, it could do something about the like the sort of the the divide between the different parts of society and all of that or I don't know why social media is such a, such a toxic place. Right. So it could also, mm. yeah. So I think it should sort of bring people together instead of isolating us even more, um, mm-hmm. and then I mean, but then there, I think there's the hope that AI might actually help us with some of the, the more difficult technical problems. Right. So some, <laughs> I've heard this argument, so back, back to the people who are worried about AI and, and climate change, and they say, actually we should invest, we should stop we should invest more in AI, because AI might be able to help us with climate change. So I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, something along those lines, maybe.
0: Yeah, with respect to climate change, I think uh, the, I guess the general um, feeling is that, well, climate change is a is a big problem. And I have an on voke technology, so there's something to do, right? But then finding something concrete concrete, that seems to be the problem. Yeah, yeah and it's also
1: I mean that's also like the, the, the fallacy of all the, the tech people who always think like technology is a solution, right? So it's definitely like a social uh like policy problem as much as it is a technical problem. So
0: Yes, probably we need both, right? Uh, So technology can help and uh, we should try to use it. But at the same time, Fridays for Future always also plays an important role because uh, you can't just rely on tech. Like it's not, you're going to put a lot of nuclear uh, reactors uh, for your electricity and then climate change is gone. Uh, It's not going to cut it. Yeah. I agree. Would you say in your professional life, there has been a strong failure that you learned from?
1: Yeah, so I think the uh, so luckily, I think no, no, like big failures, right. But I think so the Mm -hmm. the actually the so there were definitely times where it was was quite hard. So I think the end of the PhD that was, that was a very difficult time to be in. Um Just, yeah, just for me, sort of, always, so I always was wondering, like, is it maybe, maybe the problem is too hard, right, but sort of I, so the whole plan was, so I find this one proof and then everything's good. Uh, and and then in the end, I did find it, so that was, that was the good thing, but what, what if it hadn't, I don't know, right, so then, um and I think, so there are other difficult times so before when I, when I worked at Zalando, so they, um, I had these mm-hmm. two teams search and recommendation, and then they, they sort of scaled them up. And then at some point, I had, I managed seven teams, and over 40 people, mm-hmm. because they, mm-hmm. they sort of forgot to hire any more leads. And that was also like an insane, mm-hmm. insane time, right? So, so many, uh, just so many things to keep track of and all these people. And then, um, yeah. So luckily, they, they found a solution. I mean, they they then brought in new managers and so on, and then they got a bit big, better. But overall,
0: okay, yeah, it's difficult things. I can't imagine that honestly. Like uh, managing that many people. So you were then the head of all the managers. So I was no, it I was the
1: only. I wasn't. I wasn't the head. I was the lead. So I had. I really had like seven teams directly reporting to me. Okay. Uh, I mean, there was at the time, at the London, they had this concept where there was people leads. So I didn't have to do, yeah. so I didn't have like one-on-ones with all of them, but I was sort of responsible for mm. all these teams. And then yeah, I tried okay. to focus on the teams that were struggling the most. So usually there were like two or three mm. teams um, where I put like most of my effort. Uh, mm. yeah, but it sort of didn't, so it wasn't, yeah, it was super stressful and didn't feel great. And then-
0: I imagine. Yeah, but then the solution was which?
1: Uh, the solution was so they, they yeah so like they changed the actually so they changed the structure so the people leads function resolved mm-hmm. so all these people leads became mm-hmm. engineering leads again and then mm-hmm. and then sort of I could give uh, give up a few uh, teams so and then later on I also okay. decided to go the, to this individual contributor track
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: so I was also I think. A bit burned out from all of that. So
0: I'm mean, not. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, in the PhD, what you describe, uh, I mean, having this particular proof to do, I think, I imagine that as being especially hard. Yes. And as putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Would you now ask a PhD student to focus on? something else or or focus on another objective function. Yeah. Like my typical objective function would be, well, don't focus on getting the proof, focus on learning as much as you can uh, for how it could work or couldn't work. Something like this.
1: I think there were a few. So, so the one other thing was that I, I had decided sort of to do something that's, uh, so technical that my professor also couldn't really Mm. advise me right so that was i was really mm-hmm. i mean which which was i think super high risk uh mm-hmm. and then the other thing was also at the time my professor moved to zurich uh or from from Bonn mm-hmm. to zurich and then i was but i stayed mm-hmm. in Bonn with another phd student who was about to finish up so i was so sort of really sort of just the two of us <laughs> trying to finish up our phd thesis right so i think one thing was uh I mean, so, yeah, if I, or later on, when I was advising PhD students, right, I would definitely try, sort of, you need, like, a backup plan, and then, so you need to do something, and if all that works out, right, then you're, you're sure to get it, and then maybe you can have some extras, but I wouldn't advise somebody to, sort of, put everything on one card, and then hope that, that somehow, this would turn out or not, right, so, and it was really, as I said, so, in the, sort of, numerical simulations, I could see the kind of, like error behavior that i was trying to prove so i knew that it was sort of right but uh, i didn't yeah might have been that i i could yeah so there, i think there was really a risk that i wouldn't find it And the yes yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: yes so i think the if what we what knew what we uh, were
0: doing hmm? go ahead sorry no i, I think
1: what what people often uh, i think nowadays also sorry right, to try to have like papers as you write the phd thesis and then at the end you can sort of like not not just put the papers, but you know that you did not have original enough in the original work to have enough for a PhD thesis. I think that makes a lot more
0: sense. How was it with you? Yeah, Um, I could I could stitch together papers in principle, even unpublished ones. Um, So it was not cumulative, but uh, it was kind of like that. So I had to write a common intro a common conclusion and unify the terminology. And that was kind of, yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, yes. But, but I also always, uh, so there, there was one anecdote. Um, so during the end of my PhD thesis, I moved from Bonn to Berlin. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we, we rented a truck, but then the day when we, when we picked up the truck, they said, oh, actually we only have a truck, which is like, is one size smaller than what you wanted to have. Okay, and then I said, okay, whatever. And I took the truck and then I went back. And then the people who were helping me said, what, you can never fit all of that stuff into this truck. Right? But I was just like, oh, yeah, let's see. So somehow, and this for me was always the, right? So when you, like that kind of PhD thesis thing, when you sort of, you you just stop thinking about whether you you will make it or not. Right? So because if you, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that was a bit, or that sort of, yeah, that symbolizes for me just, just how bad it was. And we actually, we did fit anything, everything in, uh, apart from one, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think there was one old, um, yeah, one old like piece of furniture that didn't fit in. And there is a, I, I, I don't know where this mm-hmm. picture is, but I, I remember we took a picture where we're sort of like, I, I, I pointed the truck, right. And then he, he points at the piece of furniture, which didn't go in. <laughs> yeah. But there was that is a
0: good metaphor for a PhD. <laughs> yes. yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I think the that this is I think yeah,
1: I, I wouldn't advise it, but I I think that that's sort of this having this like trust in the process, right? I think that's maybe something you learn when you do the PhD. Somehow, yes, yeah.
0: very probably, um, you just go ahead and uh, and try a few things, and then um, if it if we knew what we were doing, it wouldn't be called research, right? Yes,
1: no. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Although absolutely. probably I should remind myself of this again
0: now. <laughs> uh, because right now you have a similar a similar project of fitting something inside a truck where you don't know whether mm, it fits. Maybe yes. No. The <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. So I've been. Uh, yeah. So I've been um, being like independent consulting now for two and a half years, mm. and. Uh, um, yeah, And that's also, it's a little bit like that, right? Because you also never know what, what the future brings. And then you're trying to sort of figure out how, to, how you want to make money and what kinds of projects you want to do and so on.
0: Yeah. It is quite some risk again, that, uh, that you take on your shoulders, right? Yeah. Or would you say that's not the case?
1: Um, yes. I mean, I think in, in general in consulting, right? So usually you, you don't have a lot of, or um, well, like many people I talk to, they Sort of you always have enough money for the next six months or so and if but i, I mean mm. also i talk to people who um who have people like who have an actual consultancy and they have people like on a payroll but but they always mm. say so you never so you're always planning like like six months a year in advance and then and you have to make sure that the next mm. project comes in right and then mm. yeah. and i i so i, I think i was lucky that, that sort of for the first two years I always got another project right now it's a bit um, not, not that much coming in and then mm. it's a bit similar I think
0: yes yeah. similar situation yes okay thank you Mikio um, for being the first guest yes, on the podcast big honor. thanks for having me yes and uh, let's have a coffee together soon yes, we will. here at Beautiful AI campus in Berlin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.